This is a production of the AJ Podcast Network. Tattoos and high heel shoes. I just ain't got no time for you. What is going on, everybody? I'm back again without the crew. I can relate to that podcast. Hey, how's everybody doing there? This is going to be part two of the Christopher Brian Roach interview. So obviously my uh, crew is not with us. We're just going to drop this episode uh, this week. And we're just going to... Have fun with it. Enjoy it. Please visit our website, linktree.com forward slash. I can relate to that. Linktree.com forward slash AJ and Bax. It's all spelled out. The letter A and J, A and D, B A X X. That will take you to our website, to the platforms that we're all on. And you could choose to your liking which platform you would like to be on or listen to. Anyways, guys, so this is part two of the Christopher Brian Roach interview. It was an awesome interview. He actually kept on us on the phone, like I said on the last episode, something like a little over an hour and 10 minutes. Amazing. Amazing. Really uh, friendly guy. Yes, we, we, he also uh, spoke to us, asked, asked us quite a few questions it was awesome so sit back relax so we're gonna jump right in we were just talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers flag and that's where we're gonna pick it up from here enjoy the Buccaneers yeah so that that flag is the uh, largest flag I talked about that and I, I, did the Yankees play down there they actually spring train over here. Yeah, I was getting mistaken with uh, where was I? I was down in Naples one time, and yeah, that was the, fun. Who was down in Naples as far as uh, practicing for MLB? I don't know. I, where's the Rays? They're in Sarasota, aren't they? Or Venice somewhere down there? I don't know. But I'm a hockey guy. I get lost with baseball. But I actually, yes. um, I never really went to. I, I went to one baseball. My first baseball game was the Piazza home run after nine eleven. Mm-hmm. That was my first mm-hmm. ever baseball game, and then I probably been to about about a dozen with uh, Kevin and, and his brother Gary, who are big Met fans. Oh God, I know. And it's nice walking in behind them, you know. Hey, look out, baby! Look out! Get out of the way. <laughs> you guys must have had a good time. Speaking of <laughs> concerts and venues and all that stuff, because when you just triggered my mind when you guys went to the Billy Joel concert and filmed uh, your show there as well. Well, again, that was. Um, I mean, that didn't appear in the first episode, but that was like the first or second scene we filmed. Mm-hmm. And there I am, front row, Madison Square Garden, literally sitting between Kevin and his brother. And then we get on our feet and Billy Joe leans over with the microphone so Kevin could sing. It was all planned, you know. Right. But I remember looking up at the ceiling like, Jesus Christ, I can't believe this, man. 
It's amazing. You know, trying to keep, trying wow. to keep it together. You know, you get that self-talk like, I belong here. I belong here. I worked hard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're good. People like you. Aw, that's so awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. So when did you realize, like, when did you realize that you, like, made it? When did you realize that? Oh, that's so funny. That word is such a tricky word because I, you know, there was a moment, like, when we were filming, like, episode eight or nine where my wife was sitting in the audience and she was like, oh, my God, this guy actually made it where, um, you know, after being in comedy, doing all these crap gigs. I've, I've been in the middle of bar fights and had stuff thrown me, thrown at me on stage, going to crappy open mice, then the acting world, taking years of acting classes and trekking into the city for auditions. And it all came together in that moment. And my wife's sitting up there. She's like, this guy made it. And then, you know, things could change that quick where the show has been over two years and still trying to get back in, you know? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I would be thinking if I was your wife, like, oh my God, I'm going from Michael Kors bags to Prada bags. Like this is. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I'm getting out of Ron Conkama. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so like, when did you lose like the nervousness like that, you know, that beginning, that yeah. beginner's nervousness? When did that, when did that fade away? I was saying, uh, Never. I, I, you know, what, you know what I noticed. You know what I noticed, Baxter. That there are times I've no, there are times I've gone on stage in front of like a, a thousand or more people, and I am not nervous at all. And I don't feel like I feel like when I'm not nervous, I'm not as good. So <clears throat> it's it's almost like I don't call it nervous anymore. I call it excited, which is more of yeah. a, a positive spin. So it's good to have that. But no, there, I know what you're saying about really, really nervous. I mean, there was uh, when we were filming the pilot like one of the first things Kevin messed up one of his lines, which again, I think was on purpose and the audience laughed and I felt right there. I'm like, you know what? It's okay not to mess up. It's okay to mess up. Mm -hmm. So that helped. Right. And then, uh, I, I remember somebody was standing, there was a three camera shoot. I remember somebody standing by camera two while Kevin was talking to the director. I'm like, who's this guy staring at me? And I look over, I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> Adam Sandler staring at me. Do I need this right now? <laughs> <laughs> Adam, please turn your back or go look off stands over there. Adam, please. <laughs> I, I now I'm a logistics person. I like the technical aspect of it. So I I know that you did what two seasons? Is that correct? Two seasons of Kevin Kuwait? That's correct. Okay. And now what what made them to put you into? You were in some episodes and you weren't into up into other episodes. Like what? What right. determines the writers to put you in there or not? What's the logistics behind well, that? Well, that's the whole thing when I'm talking about making it, where it was just an incredible experience. The first, I say, 10 episodes, I was in at least seven or eight of them. Mm -hmm. And then they wanted to try a couple of different things where the friends started not being in, being in as much. Okay. And then season two, uh, Leah Remini comes on board and they, they uh, end up parting ways with Erin Hayes, who's a great actress. Right. And you know, it's, what's weird is like, I, I was only in, I was in episode two of season two and then they didn't use me until like episode eight. And during that whole time, I'm touring with Kevin on the weekends and, you know, this part of me wants to say, Hey, hey Kev, what's going on? I'm sitting at home, man. Yeah. You know, but yeah. I'm just so lucky and blessed to be there. Like he said to me one time, he goes, man, I'm this is like right around, right around when I came back for episode eight, we're pulling out of his driveway. And he says, hey, man, I'm, I'm sorry that uh, I haven't been using you as much. I'm just trying to get this thing 
with Leo off the ground. I said, Kev, whatever you feel you need to do to make this thing work, man, just do it. I'm here for you, you know? Right, right. And, mm. but, you know, there, of course, I wanted to be there. It was, mm-hmm. it was just phenomenal. Um, but, you know, again, it's all about ratings and they were just trying to see, try different things. And I was just glad, listen, they got, they got rid of the wife on the first season and one of his friends. I'm just glad they didn't get rid of me, you know? Yeah. Right. That's show, right. that's, that's right. show business. It you is. know, you, yeah, you tell it, absolutely. say that to yourself. You got to say that to yourself in the mirror while you're crying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. At least I'm not driving a taxi. Which shows oh so funny. God, that's so right, funny. Right before, right before, um, Kevin came into, uh, am I talking too loud by the way? I'm sorry. I'm no, sorry. you sound great. Oh, uh, cause my dad, I, I've been FaceTiming with him and he's hard of hearing. So I, I talk loud with my dad, but anyway, uh, what was I just saying? Sorry. Uh, I, I forgot. Right before Kevin saw me at McGuire's, I was actually looking into driving a cab in the city. I was going to like drive a cab in the city and maybe try to hit some comedy clubs and, uh, I called the Screen Actors Guild and said, listen, I think I got to uh, like cancel my membership, so to speak, because I can't afford to pay the dues. And I was like rock right. bottom. And that's when that's when it happened. I was like, oh, man. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's a, that is so yeah. amazing. Yeah. So how Thank you. how long were you doing? How long until you actually like got your first break? Like how long were you? You know, do oh, you know? It, it, I guess struggling. How long were you struggling until you got your first break? Um, st- I would say that was like fifteen years. Oh, yeah, maybe oh, fourteen okay, years. Yeah, you okay. know, there's in in, in stand up comedy. They would say it takes you at least ten years to come up with your first hour, and then after you after you say say a network picks it up like Showtime they give you another yeah. year to make your second one. So it's kind of weird that way. Oh, okay. And that's what a lot of comedians, when they're making their second special, sometimes it's not as strong because they didn't have the 10 years of, of going out to clubs. And um, sometimes they take on writers. And next thing you know, this guy's getting accused. Hey, that's not your joke. It's like, he's like, uh, my writer right. gave it to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. right, 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 right. Yeah. Speaking of of when you do uh, jokes itself, you know, do you think of like funny things in your life? And you said you jot it down. Now, has anybody ever like really approached you and said, you know, I said the same thing too, or the same concept people that vicious Um, to you? No, they always say if if it comes from your life and it's, it's being spoken in your voice, no one can take it. You know, it's, it's, it's yours. They can put a different spin on it. Um, I used to have this bit about going shopping during the holidays and the alarm goes off. And then I saw Sebastian Maniscalco do it on stage uh, on Showtime. I'm like, well, I guess I can't do that one anymore. But he used to go, um, what was his bit? He goes, you know, you know about going shopping. Okay. He goes, and then you walk out and you walk out and the alarm goes off. And what does the guy go? Just go. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You know, speaking of speaking of Sebastian, because I I didn't know about Sebastian until very recently, and we're talking Good about dude. this on the yeah he he is I, I saw oh. also a lot of his YouTube videos, and I was talking about uh, growing up because you know we get 
people knocking on the front door at my house here and it's always like we always yes. like peek out the window and it's like you know and when i was little back in the 80s you know we were excited right. to have people come over and my mom had yep. the coffee cake on the on the thing and yep. i and i googled or youtube they says you know coffee cake or whatever it was and that his video came up he says oh my god i'm not the only one that thought this and there's That's a guy right. <laughs> and i you can probably listen to one of my previous episodes i started talking about that i was like wow this is like <laughs> it was really amazing how i heard it on youtube and some guy already took my bit, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, that they call that, um, they, well, they call that parallel thinking in the comedy world. Okay. Parallel yeah. thinking. So obviously Sebastian Maniscalco didn't take my bit cause he's a beast and he never watched me perform before, you know? <laughs> yeah. But I right. used to say with that bit, I used to go, why do these stores spend millions of dollars on these alarm system just to pay some kid, Nine dollars an hour to yell, just go, <laughs> just go. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I know. <laughs> then I'm sitting at home because I, I got to open for Sebastian a few times, and I remember mm -hmm. watching his special. And I'm sitting at home, and all of a sudden he does that bit. I was like, "Son of a bitch!" But that <laughs> wow. that happens. But you know, and then sometimes comics. This is, here's another thing. It's kind of funny. Comedians will come up to you and go, "Hey, man." Um, do you got a bit about shopping and the alarm goes off? Oh my God, God, here we go. <laughs> oh go God, that's like, so funny. Oh, oh geez. because <laughs> I got a bit about that and I've been doing it and somebody told me that you have one and I just, you know, you just go, listen, just do your bit. Don't worry about it. You know, hmm. the rule was great, back in great the, minds the rule, alike, man. Yeah. The rule was back in the, uh, 90s when it came to like Letterman and, and even Johnny Carson, the rule was whoever gets it on TV first. Hey, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, that's too funny. That is very funny. cutthroat, right? It's very cutthroat. Yeah. That's so when, when you were doing one of your uh, one of your bits, right? You said you were a cop. Is that true, or were you just, or that was just no, no. Part of the, uh... My my two brothers and my sister and my father are all retired NYPD, and I. With at uh, 28 years old, I'm like I got nothing going on. I I turned down the job like three or four times already, so I tried it. And the academy, I made a lot of friends going through the police academy, and I still stay in touch with it. You know, because you're going through a lot of crap together. Yeah. And, yeah. and they and they and they're yelling at you, and you're doing all these exercises. And um, but then when I got out on the streets, I found out I'm like, listen, this is not for me. I, I I'm too much of a mellow guy. <laughs> I'm writing a summons. I'm writing a summons, and I see the owner come out. Like I'm writing a ticket on somebody's car that's <laughs> illegal, right. illegally parked, and the owner. I see the owner coming out. I start having an anxiety attack. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> How long did you last, man? Uh, probably a year and a half. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah. The thing was with me is like I always had a hard time writing someone a summons when I knew what it was like to get one when you're broke. You know? Right, yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. So everyone I wrote, every ticket I wrote hurt. And Aww. when you don't when you don't write a summons, you're supposed to do like twenty a month. You know, they say there's no quota, yeah. but they call they call them something else. They call them goal enforcements, you know, whatever suggest right. sug they call them suggestive goal enforcements back then. And if right. you did if you if you didn't meet your suggestive goal enforcement of twenty summonses a month, they would look on the map. They would look where you live, and they would transfer you to the precinct furthest from your house. They call it road therapy. Oh wow! Road therapy, that's yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah. No, it was, it was, it was. Yeah, it was, it was tough. That's, they really did. That's crazy. Yeah, and I was just, uh, you know, 
And my father knew too when it went, when it when it ended. He's like, you know, I, I knew it wasn't for you, but you gave it a try. Yeah. I'm, proud, I'm proud of you. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, thank. I'm like, Dad, that's great, but can you bail me out? Uh, yeah. Bail- <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. Say, I didn't pay the tickets because I gave them to myself. <laughs> like, say with bail money, Dad. Yeah. No, no, I I'm, felt I'm bad. But my brothers and oh sisters, I always say, as far as being a cop, it's something that you would have had to want to do since you were a kid, or or it's something mm-hmm. you wanted to do. I did it because I had nothing going on. And one moment that always stuck with me is one of the first times I was out on the street. We were um, at these barriers by a funeral, just you know, guiding traffic. And this guy came over to me. He obviously been on the job a long time. And he said to me, he goes, I remember when I first started, I thought when I put on the uniform, I was going to be a completely different person. And then I realized I'm the same idiot, but I'm now wearing a costume. (laughs) 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 So even though, even though like, you know, I'm on TV watching these protests and I'm seeing like people yelling at the cop's face. I'm like, that guy probably just wants to go home and play video games or that guy probably wants to. That guy's probably thinking, why didn't I take that job with my uncle? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> They've definitely oh. been going through it, man. They've definitely been going oh, through it. <laughs> well, you I know, listen, change, uh, change is needed and, uh, you know, hopefully things will turn out better. Absolutely. Yeah. No, 100%. Yeah. God, God right, willing for all of us. I have to know. What was your worst heckler ever? Oh. <laughs> uh, you know something? Uh, I'm trying to think. I've had family members. Oh God! Uh, <laughs> like one wow. time, I was a, I was a. You know what I noticed too? When you're trying to record something that's of importance, like all right, tonight I'm putting myself on video. Something's gonna go wrong. Something's gonna go wrong. Right. Gonna go wrong. I, I've recorded specials where the the host said, "Don't talk to the." Uh, keep your table conversation to a minimum because he's recording and something happens like two cut two audience members get into a fist fight or um <laughs> but i'm trying to think the worst heckler uh wow that's a tough one i i you know a lot of times we do these bar shows like there's a place the brick house brewery in patchogue okay yeah yeah i know we, where it is yeah and we would do these open mics where you know some of the locals would heckle us and some of the locals we were fr- became friendly with they would still heckle us <laughs> um, but oh wait I was at the Brookhouse Brewery and I'm performing and I'm new so all of a sudden I'm performing and I feel my leg my right leg is starting to sting a little bit so I look down some kids have walked in the front door and threw a Wendy's Frosty at me oh boy wow. oh my god Listen, and if that's cold, that's like you ever you ever see those things when they're cold? It can hurt you. Yes, they can. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. So that was um, that was one I remember. Also, I remember um, here's the thing about stand-up comedy: it's very, very sensitive, and it's got to be in the right setting. Like a lot of times, people will see me at a comedy club. Oh my god, you're hysterical! You got to do my Christmas party for my company, and I'm like, all right, and you know, they they pay good. But the thing about stand-up comedy is there's certain rules. One, it can never be a surprise. Because all of a sudden we're at this Christmas party and the woman said, 
All right, everybody, I got a surprise. Uh, put your drinks down. Stop talking and having fun. We got a comedian right now, and they're like, are you kidding me? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> so this happened to me um, finally getting to answer your question. I'm so sorry. Um, oh, you're good. I love the story. I was I was like four years in, and somebody says, hey, man, you want to perform for the troops over at Fort Dix in New Jersey, the Army? I'm like, yeah. And, yeah, uh, that's awesome. So we're driving there, and in my head, I'm picturing like a Bob Hopish kind of thing where they're all in their fatigues, and they're all like seated in like an organized fashion, and like you see with the Bob Hope shows. And what we right. got, what we got was – 200 servicemen and women in an auditorium that were about to be deployed for Iraq and they would go and they were partying like it was 1999. Oh my God. And the DJ's oh cranking. God. They don't know comedy's going to be there. All of a sudden the DJ stops the music and goes, all right, guys, everybody get ready. We got a little comedy. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. They had like there was like one group of like fifty servicemen and women hanging out, and in unison they would chant, "You suck!" Oh, <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Listen, I I can't blame them. Listen, they 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 just wanted to have fun. They were burning yeah. off you know some steam before they went and fought for our country. And you know, who wants to stop so, for an hour? So did you did you keep going, going, or did you or did they like heckle you off the stage? Like, did you stand your ground or what? No, I stood my ground. I got. I won't. I won't lie. On the inside, I, I was crapping in my pants. Ah um, oh, man! But I, I've been in these scenarios before where, you know, material goes out the window, mm-hmm. and now you just become like a almost like an insult comic, and that's what they seem to respond to crowds like that. Like, well, you know, I, guess guy, I, I, yeah. I would, I would assume stuff like that builds character because once you can handle stuff like that, and yeah. then you can handle anything else. It thickens, 100%, it thickens the skin, 100%. But now yeah. it's, you know, it used to be where if I didn't have a good show, I beat myself up. Mm-hmm. But now I could walk into a room. I'm like, all right, the energy, I can sense the energy of the room, what night of the week it is, what the weather's like, how's the room set up, all these little factors. Do they have lighting? Is the, is the room cool? All these little things have uh, an impact on a comedy show. Low ceilings. Mm-hmm. Low ceilings keep the laughter in. Weird stuff like that. Wow. Yeah. Now with so, you, go ahead. Uh, no, no, I was just oh. wondering, like, when you're up on stage, you know, where do you draw the lines for the, your limits, you know, before you get to that point to really offend people or anger people? Oh, yeah. You know, how do you do that? That's because well, I'm one guy. Go ahead. What are you going to say about that? No, I'm just wondering, like, you know, I'm an open-minded person. You know, it's all in comedy. It's just all release and all that stuff. But some people can take things really serious, you know. Yes, especially today. But yes. somebody, somebody once told me, here's a good rule. They say, cross the, when you're writing, cross the line and then come back a little. Okay. Right. So I know comedians, like, let's say on a scale of 1 to 10, I'm out there. I'm, I'm a pretty safe act. I talk about family stuff. And – I think over the last few years, I'm getting a little more edgier um, where I know insult comics that will walk the room. They'll walk like, say, like 10% of the room, but the people that stay are laughing like off the charts. Mm-hmm. Um, they say Gilbert Gottfried, I heard he goes up there and he tells like the dirtiest, dirtiest jokes uh-huh. just to 
just to get the squeamish people out of the room. Right, right. It's amazing. Yeah. It really is amazing. Gilbert but I have, there were times I've done jokes like that have pushed the limits and then people waited for me after the show. Um, I used to do this one where I used to take the, uh, the Eucharist at church okay. and dip it into Cinnabon sauce and I'd be like, sweet Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and people would be upset about it? I had a minister waiting for me at the Borgata. Uh, oh, oh. And he goes, you know, I thought you were very funny, but I didn't take too kind to you what you did with the Eucharist there. It's, it's, it's a very serious thing. And I said, sir, we're in a casino and you're spending your church money on craps. <laughs> yeah. Uh. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that was years ago and I, I've gotten a little bit, uh, I've gotten stronger with my faith. I'm like, you know what? That's like probably not a good thing to say if I want to go to heaven. Sweet Jesus. Sweet Jesus. <laughs> like, uh, uh, Mr. Roach, please step out of line. We have a few questions for you. <laughs> What's going on that Sweet Jesus joke? How you feel about that? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I thought it was funny at the time, but now I realize the error of my ways. Yeah, yeah. We, well, go back to the back of back of the line. We're going to uh, think about it. We might let you in a little yeah. bit later. <laughs> <laughs> now, sometimes if I... Uh, if sometimes if I have a joke and I'm not sure about it, I'll, I'll get the priest after mass. I'm like, can I can I run a joke by you? And if we hear "Sweet Jesus," then we know it's not good, <laughs> right? Because I have another one about I have one about you know them stealing my father's baby Jesus at Christmas. I'm like, mm -hmm. they steal it every year. They think they they think they're funny. I said one year they stole him on Christmas. And they returned him on Easter, like, oh, he's back. And, uh, you know, trying to, I, th I thought that was funny, but. Uh, yeah. Well, technically, isn't that kind of a little bit what happened? No, I'm just kidding. I'm real, I'm, yeah. Well, as I'm saying, I I'm making fun of, uh, I'm making fun of the idiot stealing the, uh, the baby Jesus, but. Yeah. Right, right, right. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. But, you know, but now it's like, those are jokes I did like years ago. But now again, I go to church again and I'm a good Catholic boy now. And I'm looking at those right. jokes like, I, I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble for that one day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Peter's, Peter's going to pull me out of line. Hey, hey, Chris, tell Jesus that joke you did about the plant. Oh, what do you, I don't yeah. remember that, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 sorry, sir, I don't remember that joke. That's okay. We have, we, we, that's okay. We have a videotape. What do you got coming up? Anything major at the end of the year for the rest of the 2021? Well, um, you know, I have a couple of independent things I'm working on that, you know, I'm one of those guys that I don't want to change it by saying anything, but hopefully that pans out. And Good. I'm hoping to, uh, I'm hoping that comedy comes back full steam this, this summer and fall. Good. And, and, the, and, he, and the acting too. I, I miss, I miss, uh, I miss the acting a lot. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Coming down to Tampa. Once you come down to Tampa, you got my number. Hit me up. I will. I'm gonna. You know, not only not only talk to you. I'm gonna call the guy from Side Splitters. Okay. Big, cool. big, big dude. Really good guy. I gotta call him. Yeah, I never met him. I probably seen him a bunch of times because I go there a yeah. lot. So. Very absolutely. good guy. Absolutely. Maybe we could do a podcast and pr help you promote for the Tampa area, especially. Absolutely. Cool. Cool. Well, good. Anybody else got like final words? I mean, this is awesome. Uh, I could keep you on here all night, but you probably want to go to bed. 
Forgive me, God, for all my sins. <laughs> oh, good. Nah, this is awesome, thank man. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. You're so amazing. So amazing. Oh, thank yeah, you, guys. <laughs> Appreciate Those it. stories are amazing. Hey, everybody. It's comedian, actor, Christopher Brian Roach, and you are listening to I Can Relate to That with AJ Baxter and Anne Marie. Check them out. All right. Thank you. Ah, uh, you're amazing. Thank you I'm so like, much. All right. guys. Thank you very much. Christopher Brian Anytime. Roach. Thank Anytime, you. Guys. Thank you. I'll right, see you All later. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, guys, that will conclude our series for Christopher Brian Roach. Thanks for coming on our show. I really, and our crew, really appreciates the interview. And uh, it was such a great interview. I got a lot of feedback from at least the first episode. Obviously, I'm recording the second one for the the, uh, closing right now. But, uh, yeah. Got a lot of good feedback. I do appreciate to our uh, listeners out there, uh, up in the New York area, uh, out in California, up in uh, the Illinois area, Texas, and the Mid-Atlantic states. Shout out to our listeners. Thank you for for your uh, support there. All right. Don't forget our website, linktree.com forward slash AJ and Bikes. You have to spell it all out. A-J-A-N-D-B-A-X-X. That will take us to uh, our links, and you can pick whatever platform you want to listen to. All right, guys. Obviously, the rest of the crew is not here. I'm just doing this uh, post-production. And uh, other than that, guys, I don't have too much more to say, but it was such a great interview. I do appreciate it. Please like and subscribe to our podcast and share. Let your friends know who are fans of uh, Christopher Brian Roach. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Have a great evening. Back at Ronco, go Penn Station, Jamaica. Ooh, I want to take you Mediola, then Hicksville. Come on, baby, Sisville, Farmingdale, then Deer Park. Ooh, you know we're almost at Ronco, go We'll take the train, cause the expressway is slow. That's where we want to go. Down to Ronco, go They beat, they hunk. All headed for the conk. Jamaica, ooh, I wanna take you Mineola, then Hicksville, come on baby, Sisville, Farmingdale, then Deer Park, ooh, you know we're almost at Ronkoko, we'll take the train, cause the expressway's slow, that's where we wanna go, back at Ronkoko, Glen Station, Jamaica, ooh,
Knoxville, Carmel, baby, Sisville, Farmingdale, Van Deer Park, This is a production of the AJ Podcast Network.